You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Laugh Button Podcast. We're doing this late night. This is like the late night smooth sounds of the Laugh Button. All right. It's a quiet storm. <laughs> I am your uh, the editor-in-chief of the LaughButton.com and the host of the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network at Riotcast.com. With me is my co-host, Bram Teitelman, editor-in-chief of Metal Insider. What's up, buddy? Hello. Uh, we're actually doing this in a different place. We are. We're doing this in like the smooth sounds of the Grafton Hotel here in Los Angeles, California, right across the street from the Comedy Store. Yeah, I'm actually lying down. I'm on a bed right now. You That's are. You're, crazy. You know what? You know what this reminds I'm me of? Very relaxed. Uh, I was watching an episode of Behind the Music, and uh, Christina Aguilera sang "Beautiful" on her back. I'm, because... I'm often mistaken for Christina Aguilera. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You're very often mistaken. I'm very for dirty with two R's. <laughs> dirty. No, this was the beautiful phase. Was beautiful dirty? Well, I'm also beautiful. You're no beautiful and dirty. Say, words can't bring me down. <laughs> exactly. You exactly. just try words. You just try to bring me down. I know. So, so, Bram, we're out here in California. California, basically for a no few doubt things. About it. No doubt about it. We're out here for a West Coast jaunt. Uh, for a few really fun comedy related things, we're going to a a screening, a fan screening of Showtime's new season, uh, new series, I'm Dying Up Here, which premieres this weekend on Showtime. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's happening. By the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be happening tonight at the Hollywood Improv. Pretty excited about that. And then... Uh, be there. Oh, wait. No, you can't. <laughs> so Watch it on is, Sunday. Dude. Yeah, it premieres on Sunday on Showtime. But we actually, I actually saw the first episode. I got a sneak preek, and it's great. It's a great drama based on stand-up comedy in the 1970s. Executive produced by Jim Carrey, as you probably know. Stars pals uh, of, of the podcast like uh, Andrew Santino, who has joined our podcast many, many moons ago to actually talk about the series. So go back and listen to the episode we had Andrew on it, where he talked about the uh, the beginning stages of the show. And then uh, it's now Not coming. behind a paywall yet. You can, you can go back and listen. <laughs> and also Al Madrigal and, and uh, Eric Griffin, also pals of the Laugh Button as well, are on, are on the show. So we're really looking forward to the show. So we're out here for the, the fan screening put on by the folks over at Hulu, over the Hollywood Improv. It's going to be a good time. And then uh, I'm flying to Clusterfest in San Francisco. Comedy Central's Colossal Clusterfest, the first annual, is happening. And uh, I'm going to go catch uh, catch that catch that catch that vibe down in San Francisco or up in San Francisco. So it's quite a lot of comedy happening. There's a lot of comedy happening. So like, yeah, so we're chilling in a hotel room, kind of relaxing, doing this late night style. You're very, very comfortable about the thing breaking the beautiful. I may fall asleep. <laughs> but uh, uh, Bram, before you fall asleep, though, I want to talk about the guests we have on the podcast this week. It is Jeff Simmerman. Jeff Zimmerman is a storytelling comedian who's about to put out his new first debut stand-up comedy album on uh, Via Comedy Dynamics. It's actually coming out on June 9th, so about a week from the time that you hear this podcast. And like uh, Jeff sat down, he came into the Ridecast studio, sat down with me. We talked about kind of the craft of storytelling, comedy, him writing for The Moth, how he got involved. It's a very great conversation, so that'll be coming to you in a very quick period of time. I want to give a shout to Jeff. It was actually a really fun interview we did with Jeff. Actually, yeah. Uh, if you don't want to wait until june 9th f- for the record to come out yeah uh you can get a little snippet of it on a uh, metal insider <laughs> oh snap what's that buddy that's that's, that's like that's, that I that's like that's like a, a thing that's like also it's a symbiotic relationship where like we talk to jeff you premiere tracks from jeff it's all this kind of great thing so yeah he talks about um playing a show with a band called vomit fist <laughs> yeah yeah it's hysterical <laughs> we actually we actually start the interview off talking a lot about clutch because he's from like the washington dc baltimore area which is where clutch obviously came up so like the so like if like 
eighty percent of this podcast ended up being about uh, this interview ended up being about us talking about clutch. I think both of us have been really okay with that. So it's kind of funny. But uh, before we get to Jeff, some comedy news of the week, man. The big story that's floating around right now is what Kathy Griffin did. You know, oh, I mean, man. like you can't you kind of can't escape it. And I actually was just talking about this with a couple people earlier tonight. Is that you know Kathy? For those that don't know, kind of before I get into it, Kathy basically did a photo shoot with a with a photographer named Tyler Shields, and in the photo shoot, there's basically a part where she lifts up the severed head of President Donald Trump. It's a severed bloody head, and she kind of has this look on her face. And I mean, and 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 rightfully so. Once it hit the internet, it kind of like caught a lot of backlash and a lot of shit, you know. And I was uh, I was kind of shocked. Like I was literally shocked. Yeah, I mean, nothing shocks me anymore. And here's yeah. here's something different, like kind of weird. Like, I think Tyler Shields actually directed a short clip of a Marilyn Manson. Oh thing. yeah, and Tyler's absolutely done like shock value and photos. I don't even think you need the, to. Even well, well, the Manson thing is the same thing. It's basically a clip of like. Manson standing over this decapitated body that's obviously, you know, wearing a red, you know, a suit and a red tie that's yeah. obviously supposed to be Trump. And no one really cared. No, but, no. You know, Marilyn Manson and Kathy Griffin are two different they, things. They are, but I also think that. <sighs> I don't know. Comedians catch a lot of shit sometimes when they put out a terrible tweet or they say an off the cuff joke or comment or like there's a there's a there's a, a hot topic or or whatever it is and they make a quick joke about it on Twitter or, or online somewhere and then there's like this instant backlash and obviously Kathy saw that but I think the difference between Kathy's situation and what other comics do kind of like what a Gilbert Godfrey did when there was a tsunami he basically made a joke within like ten minutes of the the news breaking what Kathy did though this was a photo shoot this was premeditated. It was yeah. She had there was someone directing. There was her someone. To hold there was someone up. directing her. There was uh, probably she didn't a couple, say no. This is too much for me. There was, was a probably like, a couple different Trump masks. There was probably a couple different, uh, you know, a couple different types of like blood being used and all that kind of stuff. And there's a stylist. So like, it's I don't know. It's line. It really is. It, it, it really was. wasn't like you know. Not that I agree with necessarily the president's politics. It doesn't really matter. At the same time, I agreed with Obama's politics, and I didn't like it when I saw you know basically images of him being lynched uh, or like likenesses of him being lynched and hung from trees either so i do think that you know there is a there is a level where it's like eh, that's a little too much and whether you agree with it or not it's just like you know like at the end of the day you know was it tasteless i mean it didn't bother me but i can totally see why other people kind of got bothered by it and it looks like cnn had severed ties with kathy griffin presented without context it's a little offensive it and is and, and because she's on cnn of course like every republican that splits yeah. trump is you know gonna be whipped up into a frenzy and it is like literally like to me it was definitely pretty offensive and yeah i'm no fan of trump but no president should be depicted that way by anyone yeah in i mean context or it, in context yeah it's it's, it's it's interesting it's but i mean i i get freedom of speech and all that kind of stuff but at the same time it's one of those things where it's like was was she doing it more to be shocking and have people talking about her or was she actually trying to make a point and kathy griffin has always been one of those people who's been like you know she talks about her life on the d list and yeah. trying to do things for, for in the name of fame and i think this is definitely well, she's like on the f or g list uh, <laughs> yeah who knows the thing, like the thing is like I, I mentioned manson before like there's other bands like brujeria and otep mm. that have done stuff exactly like that and you know yeah. guar i'm sure decapitates trump yeah they've and, decapitated every president yeah, since they exactly. pay it, and, basically and doesn't really matter because uh, you know that's metal and it's supposed to be offensive. Well, do, and well, here's another question. I don't even know if it's even being posed. Is it? Do you think it's because she's a woman and those bands are men? 
Uh, Otep is actually a woman. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's an activist. No, I don't yeah. think it's that. I think that she's unpolarizing enough character as is. Uh, she's aligned with a network that a lot mm-hmm. of conservative people don't yeah, like. Yeah, but I don't know if it's a network thing. I think it's a... It's I think it comes down to... If, if, I think it might come down to be funny... I don't know. Like Kathy, nothing Gr- funny about that. Really. There are some people that love Kathy Griffin's comedy. There's some people that don't. I'm not going to defend her or shit on her comedy. But like my news feed, like it was like, well, Kathy Griffin's just not funny. That's why this thing was terrible. And I don't know if it's just that. I it's just one of those things it's where it's like it doesn't bother me, but I can see why it bothers other people. And it's also like it's literally it's everywhere right now. It's all people can talk about right now too. So I don't know. I I don't really have a great answer for it, but I do know that like this was this to me feels much different than just like a quick. Tweet that's made by someone. So absolutely. It, it, so I, I do feel like the scrutiny, and because there was more thought put into it, there's probably more scrutiny that should be put into it as well. So I don't know. That's a very, it's a very interesting news story that I'm sure is not going to go away for a little bit. So uh, if you guys have any opinions, you should drop us a line, tweet us at the laugh button or email podcast at the laugh button.com, all that kind of good stuff too. So um, you know, as far as other comedy news going on, like just for laughs, just announced like uh, its initial lineup, which includes you know Jim Carrey showing up there because of the the I'm dying up your show uh, is actually he's going to be up there. There's a bunch of podcasts now, including our buddy Bobby Kelly, Robert Kelly. You know what dude's going to make a return to Just for Laughs? Go check out the laughbutton.com for like all the information about that. Thomas Middleditch actually has a new show that he's he's going to work on. He's kind of taking the turn away from the comedy stuff and he's going to do a, a serious starring acting role. Uh, another news, like you know, on the Thomas Middleditch front, his uh, co-star Silicon Valley, T.J. Miller, is uh, leaving Silicon Valley. It's a crazy news story. It's a bomb show. It is, but I think at the same time, like you know, like many other people i think tj uh like like many comedians i think tj kind of has that wander lost in him you know a lot of comedians kind of like that wander and want to kind of see what the next thing is for them and he's done what four seasons three three seasons four, on Sil- four. four seasons in silicon valley he probably thinks it's enough he probably thinks it's like time for him and that crazy emoji money money's like rolling <laughs> that emoji movie money yeah. <laughs> them dollar dollar bills from the emoji movie uh and one that, last that smiley face with a dollar for his eyes exactly um by the way the, the ads for that are everywhere and while it's totally fine, it does it is a little jarring to see like the poop emoji printed over and over and over again and saying Sir Patrick Stewart is poop, uh, which I think is kind of funny because he's clearly voicing the poop emoji too. So uh, the other last bit of tidbit of news I'd like to kind of jump into real quick before we throw this to our interview with Jeff Zimmerman is Arrested Development. Will Arnett has gone on record and say that the new Arrested Development show will be a lot like the old Arrested Development. I think they're just kind of everyone's just kind of. I don't know if they're just trying to pretend that season four didn't exist or what it is, but what do you think? You a fan of Arrested Development? I love Arrested Development. thought Mm. the first three seasons were amazing and epic, and the fourth one was, uh, it was good to have it back, but it was definitely the way it was filmed wasn't that great. It doesn't lend itself to repeated. No, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't lend itself to repeated viewing or any of that kind of stuff, and I think at the time it was just them trying to figure out everyone's schedules. It really sounds like what it was, and now that uh, everyone was kind of made this a priority it's going to be more like the original stuff where like you know everyone overlaps it's just not going to be about one or two people but season four did introduce a lot of other people i want to say maria banford did a couple of guest spots and uh okay guest spots she dropped in a couple episodes but like they had a lot of people drop in to fill those voids that might have been filled by another character too so i'll be interesting to see how that comes out but netflix is is frantically cranking away that too another netflix thing that's frantically cranking away is bill burr's season two f is for family premiered this week too so if you guys have not seen F is for Family, watch season one, I implore you, then go and watch season two directly. We have the trailer up on the laugh 
com. It's great. It's basically Bill Burr's childhood. It's kind of like, you know, from the perspective of his father, which is very, very interesting, too. So uh, there's just so much more stuff going on on com. I, I kid you not, I can't even cover all the news that's going on the podcast. We have so much news going on in there as far as some late night stand-up sets from uh, festival announcements and all that kind of good stuff. Go to lifebud.com. Uh, and then what's uh, what's just as a, as a stopping point and uh, toss this interview over to Jeff Zimmerman uh, here on the Left Button Podcast. Here's Jeff Zimmerman. Uh, welcome back to the Left Button Podcast. I am Matt Kleinsch with the editor in chief of the LeftButton.com and the host of the Left Button Podcast. That's why you're listening to us because uh, you're here. And with me here also is Jeff Zimmerman. How you doing, Jeff? I'm super, man. How are you? I'm 100 fantastic. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, right before we hit record on this on this podcast, we were talking about Clutch. Yes, the band Clutch. Yep. I'm just ready to keep talking about clutch. Let's man. do it. Yeah. I, I will make this an hour of clutch talk if you want. That's that's like, not, like maybe that's a little much, <laughs> but only like twenty minutes too much. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll spend the twenty minutes talking about your album. Yeah, <laughs> and then the other, and yeah. then the rest of it will be clutch talk. We'll start a whole new podcast. We'll call it Clutch Talk with Matt and Jeff. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's a great ring to it. Yeah. And eventually we'll get Neil we'll get Neil on the show. We'll mm-hmm. get we'll get JP, we'll get all the guys over here, Dan, all those guys. Uh but yeah, so you're a clutch fan. Yep. We're trying to figure out the origin of Careful with That Mike, which is a clutch song. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it was from the Jeffersons cuz he says Wheezy in it. Yeah. So I just it was like Wheezy Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and also like but there, his lyrics are like so many like references to like pop or folk songs yeah. or like there, there's all of these pop culture references in his lyrics, so I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it was from something. I just don't know. Yeah, why. yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you either, but I, I know that. Uh, well, my experience with Clutch, just so, just yeah. so you know, is like they actually recorded uh, Blast Tyrant in the building that I work in, and then they also did Strange Cousins from the West. Oh wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so Neil Fallon, uh-huh. uh, he had like he had like a rhyming dictionary for Blast Tyrant, so it's like that's where a lot of the stuff comes that's from. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's a fucking rhyming dictionary. His his stuff is brilliant, and I think yeah, yeah. I was so when I was growing up underrated. Lyricist, under massively, yeah. and also I'm glad that he didn't get lumped in with the white rapper category. Yeah, but he is the godfather. He and he and Mike Patton are the godfather of it. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, and yeah, I mean, Mike Patton can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, uh, you know, because he's fucking Mike Patton, and uh-huh. you know, he, I, he, he he sang in Faith No More. And yeah, that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then Phantomas, and mm. he, funny thing about Mike Patton, I don't know if you know this, he did the voice of all the zombies in I Am Legend with Will with Will Smith. No, kidding. he was all the zombie voices. Like that. That's that's awesome. My microphone. I just watched that. I gotta I gotta tell her. Yeah, that's yeah. Mike Patton. Wow, <laughs> fucking random, isn't it? Yeah. So I was when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clutch was just like coming out uh, yeah. uh, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I lived right down the street from this little divey punk rock club called the King's Head Inn in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. And my parents and I had a deal where as long as I got my homework done, I could go to the Sunday hardcore matinees and I could walk to them. Oh, that's great. And so I, you know, I was seeing them when they were kind of between their EP and first album. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I feel like every like aging rock and roll guy, like every 41 year old cool guy has a story about I saw them with 20 people. But, you know, but I mean, I remember seeing them and like rocking out and be like what is hitting me in the face and it is it was the the basis the pegs on his bass as he rocked forward during while he was playing <laughs> Dan Mains yeah. Right? yeah yeah and i kind of lost i kind of got too like i don't know i just kind of lost touch with their work when i was in college yeah but i remember really loving 
that like I was like wow this is a scene that desperately needs a sense of humor yeah and they were the only people that had it and the people that didn't know it were just weren't listening because yeah, like yeah. even their early lyrics are really silly yeah and and so I've, I've been coming back to it now like I've been into a lot more I've kind of come back around to like you know a lot more metal and like stoner metal okay recently and I'm just like I'm almost glad that I didn't track their career because I get to experience it all at once. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like just suddenly seeing all the Indiana Jones movies in one day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's true. I mean, and I feel like there's a couple sections of Clutch, too. There was Clutch the Atlantic years, but they had a little bit more of a heavier. Mm-hmm. I feel like they got lumped in with your monster magnets of the world. Yeah. And then, like, there's the Blues trifecta releases, which to me are still their best records. It's yeah. Blast Tyrant uh, into, uh, what was it, uh, Robot Hive Exodus, and then to, uh, from Beale Street to Oblivion. Like, mm-hmm. fucking, you can't fuck with those records. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how much of those, I don't know how far into Clutch you go, Yeah. But uh, but those records are just like, like, oh, like, I don't know, man. It's and it's funny. I love talking to comedians about music because, yeah. like, they it's they have the same passion for music usually mm-hmm. than they do comedy or storytelling or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's the same idea. It's performance art. It's mm-hmm. you keep very similar hours. Yep. <laughs> you know, because you know who else is up at two in the morning other than a comedian and or a musician. Yeah. So I think that kind of overlaps itself very well, and it's all creating art and putting it out into the world and being to be mm-hmm. scrutinized by the by by the public. So yeah. I was a lyricist in a. Uh, I say lyricist, lyricist <laughs> and vocalist in a teenage uh, hardcore metal band. Oh, yeah. At the time, I was getting into Clutch, uh-huh. and from then on, every song was just a Clutch ripoff. <laughs> and I'm so glad it came out before digital archiving did, because you could hear it otherwise. <laughs> you know, and I'm glad we can't hear that. I was in, I was, I was in a, a shit cover band in <laughs> high school. We were so bad, and we were one of those types of bands that like. Every talent show, Battle of the Bands, we would change our names. Why? I don't fucking know. Because, mm-hmm. you know, good marketing. Yeah. Why change your name and have people rediscover you all over again? We were idiots. But, like, we would, and we would cover everything. Because, like, this was the 90s. So, like, it was like, you know, this was early 90s. So it was like, you know, it's your Pearl Jams and your Sound Gardens and, you know, whatever big songs are of the day. And then it's also like, yeah, man, let's cover Hendrix. Because, you know, we're all that great. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah. We definitely <laughs> so tried... fucking naive. Almost, yeah. You know? Oh no, we tried to cover Ministries Thieves, not yeah. realizing how much of it was studio work. Yeah. And I I uh, backed up the percussion with a uh, some hammers and a road sign <laughs> that I'd stolen. <laughs> so yeah, but but I remember like getting in fights in the garage, being like, "Come on, dude, you got to play that faster." He's like, "I can't." We're like, "Stop being a pussy." <laughs> no, it was just sped up in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know what overdubs were. Yeah. No, we none of it. We just thought. <laughs> You just sat down and turned on the microphone, and that was it. You're like, that guy must be awesome. Like, mm-hmm. He must be really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like the, you know, like, uh, it's like when the edge from U2. It's like, oh, that guy's an awesome guitarist, and then you just realize it's like it's all effects. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just he's just doing this. Like basically, <laughs> it's just, the rest is just all effects. So who knows? But uh, but we're not here to talk about music. Well, we are. We, we could. Uh, we can yeah. talk about Clutch for almost the entire yeah. time. But let's also talk about let's also talk about you mm-hmm. and your foray into this is your first comedy record. What yep. we're calling a comedy. record. Record, yep. even though you have a more of a storytelling vibe yeah it's 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 your first comedy record it's coming out june 9th uh, on comedy dynamics like it's got to be exciting for you it's incredibly exciting yeah, yeah. it is uh it, i have thought about nothing else since <laughs> about a year ago okay, and like enough. i wake up i had i had a dream about my mailing list last night oh really yeah and, <laughs> you know you're in deep when you're dreaming about yeah mailing yeah lists. i was just like uh, uh, the, the spreadsheet didn't save uh, and and uh you know i just I'm super excited about it. And I'm trying to like, I guess you never know how high your hopes and expectations are yeah. until you're measuring the crater they made when they hit the ground. But, yeah. but you know, I mean, I don't, 
I don't expect it to be like the doorway to, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I mean, when you do comedy for a long time, you just think, when is the mothership coming? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, am I, am I, you start feeling like E.T. in the end of the movie mm-hmm. and you're just like, am I, is the ship coming or am I just fucked up in the bushes with a speaking spell right now? <laughs> And I mean, and it doesn't work like that, you know, but, but it's just so great to have been working on this stuff for what, eight years now and have it in one place. And back to the music metaphor we were making earlier, um, I mean, I spent so much time in my room listening to records, prior records, Eddie Murphy, music, all that stuff. And to know that I'm kind of putting a couple, dumping a bucket back into that river yeah. is an amazing feeling. And maybe some like weird teenager in Iowa might hear it. You know? No, I mean, that, listen, that, that's why mm-hmm. that's why I do a podcast and run a comedy yeah. website because I can't mm-hmm. get on stage and tell jokes. Uh-huh. So it's like, let me contribute to something that I, I really love fully. And, mm-hmm. and in 2017, it makes perfect sense that there are podcasters that love music, that love comedy, that love all these different parts of entertainment mm-hmm. because that's what happens. I mean, that's how that's how you kind of evolve uh, trends. That's kind of how you evolve art too. Mm-hmm. Is by well, everyone does this shit now. It's yeah. it's it's why no one is surprised when musicians are influenced by rap uh-huh. and vice versa because yeah. it's like well everyone grew up listening to public enemy and yeah. then also listens to like rage against the machine yeah. and also listen to you know whatever hip or mm-hmm. hip-hop or punk band it was too mm-hmm. so like now musically uh, were you a uh, you were you a punk rock kid? Yeah, like yeah. you look like you kind of like had a punk kind of ethos and and hardcore spirit kind of coming up too. yeah yeah well that was like that was just like what there was to do like i mean in in the part of virginia that i grew in norfolk like if you're not into sports or musical theater, you're going to be into... You're going to be listening to Discord Records. Yeah, exactly, because Fugazi was blowing up in D.C. Mm-hmm. D.C. was the big city. Nobody really talked about New York until yeah. like Madball and VOD started coming out a little mm-hmm. bit. But like Richmond was the city that you snuck out to to see shows, and that was where like Guar and Avail were from. Yeah. And so... I didn't know that you could do something other than be in a band until I think after college. Yeah. You know, I was just like, you just got to be, well, just what band, you don't even have a band. Why are we even talking right now? <laughs> and, and why can't I find a lady? <laughs> and, and that's, a, and that's, and listen, I, yeah. I grew up in, I grew up in central, I went to school in central Jersey uh-huh. and New Brunswick, the post hardcore scene in New mm-hmm. Brunswick, it was bouncing souls lifetime, uh, you know, then mm-hmm. latter into Thursday and the yeah. gasoline anthem, all those guys. Uh, and, it's the same idea. It's like everyone's in a band, like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's Jersey. Have fucking something to say, or no one gives a shit, mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of and and there there's a little bit of an elitism to it. Oh, there's a lot. Okay, like, there's a whole <laughs> lot. There's a, yeah. there's a there's a well, you know, like fuck you, you don't know these guys, or like or like I was listening to those guys before they made a major label like jump. That yeah, it's just a bunch of high fidelity attitude. It really but yeah, is, yeah. but it also as you get older, like that melts away, and you just mm-hmm. appreciate it for what it was. I don't know if you still have those hangups and stare about about that stuff. Look, it's there. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like the <laughs> it's the car the tree grew around, you know. But okay. like fair enough. But like yeah, now I mean I like to I like to think and I'm probably not as good at this as I try to be, but like when you're a teenager, you're in your early twenties, you don't know what you're doing or yeah. who you are, you kind of construct an identity by like making a collage. Yeah. You know, there's this there's this type of insect in the rainforest I, this will make sense okay that um i'm there with you let's right. go with it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it eats ants okay and it hunts them but it ants block the access to their hives like with pheromones okay. so these these giant ants have evolved through these giant heads and their their head is the door to the hive and they'll like smell you and you're like okay you smell good they move their head 
welcome aboard. Okay. This thing doesn't smell like that. So what it does is it has evolved spikes all over its exoskeleton. Okay. And it what it finds ants individually and impales them on the spikes okay. until it has enough. And then it comes to the front door. It's They're like, hey, yeah, where have you guys been? We've been missing you. You smell good. And then he comes, and he's just eating it. <laughs> and I think that teen, teenage dudes that don't have enough going on are doing that with music. Okay. Just, you know? Uh, fair Extended enough. Extended metaphor, maybe. No, no, it's a great metaphor. Yeah. I, I would have gone for, uh, hey, remember that episode of The Walking Dead where they threw all the zombie guts on themselves so the other zombies wouldn't smell them? That's yeah. what I would have gone Yeah, with. but that didn't make you sound <laughs> fake-ass smart. <laughs> no, uh, ant impaling stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Got you. I got you. I'm, I'm there yeah. with you. So. Or, or, and then also, like, you know, like... Dave, like the the whole like Dave Matthews band scene was really big when I was in high school yeah. too. Me, me, yeah. me, me too. And I was just like, I think also insecure teenage dudes define themselves by shitting on something really hard, yeah. and then it, it creates this like backwards momentum. You know how they flew around in gravity. Yeah. You know, so you c- can propel yourself into an identity by hating yeah, yeah, something yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that I mean that stuff is there, but now I also feel like. Everything is such a flat circle. You can just tap into Spotify, and two days later, you've been a fan for twenty years. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. like I'm glad. I'm glad that that the world's uh, vault is open in, in that way. In yeah. some ways, but in other ways, like I miss having to do the work to like mow the lawns to save up for my one trip to DC mm-hmm. a year. Yeah, to maybe get a Cramps T-shirt. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Patton Oswalt actually mm-hmm. made a really good point a couple years ago how like the mm-hmm. internet is killing nerd culture. Uh huh. Where he basically kind of describes this exact phenomenon yeah. where it's like. Oh, I, I, I'm curious about this Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You go and do all the research, w- read a wiki page, all of a sudden you're an expert on Doctor Who, mm-hmm. where literally other people have been watching the show for 30, 40 years. Whatever yeah. It is. So, like, in, in ways, it's it, it, it kind of it, it, it pisses off the elites mm-hmm. who have been like, I invested time in this, mm-hmm. I invested this. But in other ways, it's like, well, if you love something, mm-hmm. like, and you tell somebody about it and they have the ability to become a fan instantly, like, mm-hmm. isn't that a good thing as well? So, yeah. Well, I mean, and, the, and the, the thing to keep in mind, I mean, I agree with him on all of that and yeah, I can yeah. sit there and be like eh, these kids and yeah. I mean it when I'm doing it yeah but but from a more charitable charitable perspective like the kind of matrix style downloading expertise yeah it's not the same thing like no, like no. you can listen to all the records all the podcasts all the interviews you're still not gonna be funny for five no, to ten years you no, know no, you know no, what I mean yeah, I totally so, get that because, because like if, well it's like working a muscle yeah um, it's like there's the steroid version of it mm-hmm. and then there's the I've been lifting weights and working on my biceps for ten years so also, also yeah. to, to to carry that metaphor those guys that are on steroids good for them they're still working out all yeah, the time yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're still doing it yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I, I totally get you on that too yeah. but i also think that like as i've gotten older uh-huh. my mentality has been less of uh I, i'm cool with you because i knew this way yeah. and, and more of uh i love this i hope someone else does too yeah well you know my I mean? my girlfriend and i um really like turning each other on to music and movies mm-hmm. and stuff and i and i think one of the reasons i'm uh able to be happy in a relationship is because i've grown up enough to say Instead of saying, oh, I can't believe you didn't know that, be like, oh my God, I am so excited you get to experience yeah. this for the first time. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, those things are right next to each other. It's just. They, they really yeah. are. And yeah. I, I've, I, I mean, like when I first started dating my wife, like mm-hmm. it was like, oh, let me make some mixtapes. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, I would make 
10 to 15 mixtapes over the course mm-hmm. of like a year and just kind of hand them to her because she was slow to listen to stuff but she was a fan of a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. it would turn them on turn her on the things and like oh now we have com- commonality and mm-hmm. now like this is our favorite song and now this is like whatever it is so I, I feel like part of the ability of having the knowledge if you can't expound it upon other people mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just kind of hoarding it and being like the grumpy guy in the corner which I am yeah I fucking am I don't know if you are but I fucking am you know I, so. I, I have been <laughs> uh, I like that's what I like about Patton Oswalt yeah. is that he's I mean his whole ethos is just kind of let's talk about the idiot I used to be yeah, yeah you know yeah, and, so. and that that allows him to be both a grown-up when he's telling you the story and the unreliable narrator you know who's learned this thing yeah and I, yeah I just love that about it yeah, yeah it's great it's great so yeah let's get uh let's kind of move over to like yep. the idea of comedy here yeah, so, yeah uh, sure so, so, as long as we're doing a comedy yeah podcast, as long as we're doing yeah, a comedy yeah. podcast let's talk yeah. about comedy you know so i uh so you got your start in dc area richmond that's where you started i mean it's, it's not where i started doing comedy that's where i just started living living yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't start doing, I didn't really get on stage to perform, um, like, talking until I moved to New York. Okay. In, that was 2008. Oh, really? I moved here in 2007, and I first got on stage in 2008. Now, did you start, was it just an open mic? Was it someone else doing something that you're like, I, I have something to say, or? Well, I started going to um, Moth Story Slams. That's actually I was, something I wanted to bring yeah. up, so I'm glad you did, so. Y- yeah, well, a good friend of mine from... Virginia like is a pretty accomplished comic now and um really you know I don't I don't want to put her business out there but she she was really she's been hard at it since we were in college and is reaping that success right now and I'm Great. really happy for her and she was always saying hey maybe don't just be the interesting guy at the bar for the rest of your life <laughs> you know what I mean like because always I've always been the kind of person where people are like well why don't you tell the story about the time and I'm like yeah but that happened to you and they're like but you tell it better you know yeah, and, yeah. and that guy at the party and she's like you know you can actually get on stage and do this and she took me to moth slams and I was just like into it and the first the first one I went to was just like pulling a sword out of a stone where I was just like okay this is my thing from now on and I got really into it and those are open mics Mm. they have um I I I would say uh, comedy open mics are a little bit more like like a workout at the gym yeah yeah totally. and this is this competitive they're ranked like you tell a story and then people hold up numbers like 9.1 or 7.3. So the competitive component makes you just want to get very, very good. And 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 it introduces a level of, of heartbreak early on, which I think is important <laughs> where you're like, oh, man, you just like, <laughs> you get panned by the critics immediately. Yeah, yeah. But the, the ostensibly the pressure is not to be funny. I just discovered that I really loved being funny. Mm-hmm. And I got more and more into it. And then so you, if you win one of those things, they have what's called a Grand Slam at like, they used to have them at um, the Highline Ballroom. Mm-hmm. And you compete against 10 other people and then you can like win the thing. And, you know, I won one of those and that was a fun feeling. But I kind of got to where I just wanted to tell stories more often, more funny, more like all of the time. And... Yeah, I I made the m- mistake. It was like the best mistake I ever made. I I hosted somebody's show at Caroline's on Broadway, a breakout artist series. Um, and I had just been on This American Life like two weeks prior, and I thought, oh, Ira Glass has approved my like funny little yeah. take on life. Surely an audience at Caroline's on Broadway will as well. <laughs> 
a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like the flop sweat. I was wearing a three piece suit and mm. I sweat through all of it. Undershirt, really? shirt, vest, jacket. Oh wow. Sweat coalescing behind my glasses. People on dates didn't get laid because of me. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the worst. <laughs> and and I mean, I saw a woman look at a guy and be like, "Oh, that's got to be." <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. You yeah. thought this, and then you know the took a, just a made a big mess on the stage for everybody else to dig out. But any reasonable person would have crawled home. But I think that that's like the the thing when you discover that you're going to be a comic, right? Is you're like, no, no, no I'm going to keep doing this yeah. until I get good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much and so, so that's like kind of the. That's the origin story. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love I love hearing origin stories about mm-hmm. comedy too. So so okay, so you decide I'm gonna be a comedian. Yeah. Like you like you make that conscious decision. Mm-hmm. So it's is it just a matter of I gotta write stuff or is it a matter of I have these great stories, I need to figure out how to how to fit them into what makes me quintessentially me. All of that. Okay. Yes to all of it. Okay. Uh, but to expand, I guess I was like, All right, I have these stories and I'm fairly confident that they can please one audience. Mm-hmm. But that audience is pretty narrow. Yeah. You know, like nobody is going to get a babysitter in Indiana because I have some ex- exciting turns in my third act. Yeah. So like, how am I going to just keep it keep it moving and then use use jokes to build stakes, advance plot, establish character so that either the premise or the punchline is kind of an oar on that Viking ship yeah. rowing it forward. And that's just the comedy that I have gradu- gravitated towards the most. Like, I think there's kind of the um, Mitch Hedberg school mm-hmm. where it's just like, you walk on stage, you're funny as hell, nobody knows who you are when you walk off stage yeah. because, because we don't know anything about you. it's all one-liners. Yep. Yeah, or you're telling a story about yourself like like Patton Oswalt. Um, like Birbiglia. Birbiglia, yeah. G- Gary Goleman's stories are Love the Goleman. best. I teach I, w- I teach storytelling classes and I teach Gary Goleman as oh, material. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. I just saw him literally Monday night down mm-hmm. over at the Village Underground around the corner mm-hmm. and he told his state abbreviations bit. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's fucking... Yeah. I've seen him do it two or three times, mm-hmm. and it's it fucking kills every time, mm-hmm. because it just it zigs, it zags, it just goes in this like oh what happens over here? It's it's unbelievable. That guy is like legit one of the greatest comedians walking this planet, mm-hmm. and I don't think half the world like even understands. Yeah, I I know, and like for Gary, I, I think that's a crime, but yeah. for me. I'm just like yes, I get to have my secret <laughs> vault of knowledge. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I want, I want, I want Gary to have everything that he has coming to him. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he so and I became friendly with Gary after yeah. a, a set one time. He told a story about his fight at Trader Joe's. Okay. And I was like, you realize that's structured like a Greek myth. Like yeah. that is a perfect like you're on a quest. You know, there's an there are heroes and villains. There's even a minotaur, you know, and and I like when I'm writing or rewriting stories to try to make them work in comedy, I have like a kind of an outline that I'll draw and the jokes will be on like kind of post-its and I'll drop yep. them down there. And I'm like, every single one of these things just like falls right into place. Did you do that on purpose? Like, what's your diagram look like? He was like, No, I've just been doing it twenty years. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't you hate that you're like god damn it it's no just, I, well i just well, like you don't hate gonna, it but you know i you know, yeah no, it's just like yeah. this 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 thing he it came out of our it's just been in the rock polisher the whole time yeah, you yeah. Know? and that's well that's what that's makes awesome. it that's what i mean i i had this conversation i, I want to say it was with greg stone very recently is like that's what makes a 20-year comedian a 20-year comedian versus yeah. what an eight-year comedian is yeah. like like 
people try to like Amy Schumer is just as popular as Louis C.K. these days. Uh-huh. They are not the same comedian. Okay. Louis literally been a comedian since he was a teenager. Uh-huh. Amy's like ten years in the game. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And you just cannot compare the two because mm. of just they're just they're doing different things. Mm. They're on different trajectories, mm. and it's it's really tough to explain that nuance mm-hmm. to someone who's not really a comedy fan or a comedy nerd. Right. Know? So because some people are like, oh, they're just a guy who has a TV show, or just a girl mm. who has a TV show and a big tour, and they're huge. Yeah. But there's there's nuance there. There's yeah. completely different parts of that. And yeah. uh, I think comedy fans get it. I think other comedians get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if John Q. Public gets it, which I think is one of the main drawbacks of comedy, uh, which sucks. Yeah. You know, because like like th- today's comedy fan is definitely smarter. Mm-hmm. They've seen more. They've absorbed more. Mm-hmm. But I also think that they're not nearly as legion as just like John Q. Public. Yeah, but that is also like it's a hard game, man. Like you, are, you're gonna die ugly when you play the game of Thrones. But yeah. you did start playing it, and yeah. it's just like, well. <sighs> I can get the like tattooed NPR audience yeah. to come out as long as I only come to town once a year. <laughs> you know, and you got to you got to do something that's going to work for more people. Yeah. And but this is why comedy makes everybody insane is you have to do something that's going to reach everybody yeah. and make peace with the fact that you're not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually that's a really great way of looking at it. I never yeah. thought of is that yeah, you're 100. percent I have nothing to add to that. It's a perfect way of putting it. Looking <laughs> yeah. at it. <laughs> All right, done. Podcast done, guys. No, I'm just joking. Right. Um, so, like, have you given because of what you do is more mm. of a storytelling as as opposed to a setup punch joke tag? Uh-huh. Like, do you feel that you lend yourself better to different formats, say like a podcast or the album over like maybe some TV or something? I don't know. I would I, I would love to do enough TV to be able to compare it to the album. <laughs> okay, fair, I'll let you know. Enough. Fair, enough. fair I'm, enough. I'm trying to do, I'll do all of it. And I want, I mean, my, my one of my goals slash dreams is to be able to do the kind of story that you hear on that record on late night, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and it's been done. Jay Larson did it. Oh, Goldman can do it. Uh, Goldman, like, Jay Larson did it with the uh, was it the phone call with the. the I, and I teach that in my class too, geez, where I'm just like you guys, like every you know everything you're laughing at is revealing something. Yeah. that's moving it forward. Yeah. and uh, you know I really love. Um, Elmore Leonard's short stories. Mm-hmm. Do you are you familiar with his? He's the guy that he wrote the short story that created the TV show Justified, Fire in the Hole. Yeah, yeah, but also uh, Get Shorty. Yes, and like so many, so many uh, Jackie Brown. Yep. Every one of his novels, and this is he. There's no other novelist like this. Maybe Stephen King. Where just you're in an airport in a mm-hmm. crappy town, you can touch any book with his name on it and yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah. And he just like keeps the pedal down the whole time and there's nothing in there that's like wandering. You you, can't, you guys can't see this when I'm making fluttery motions <laughs> with my fingers. You know? That's there's, right. This is you, a little... Yeah, there's, oh, no, now I'm making the hand job motion. There's no... <laughs> indulgent wanders you think it is but it turns out to be relevant yeah later and in that way it's much more like screenwriting mm-hmm. you know and so but i mean at the same time like funny's funny and just I, i'll just as long as people laugh at what comes out of my mouth i'll yeah. keep talking i mean and that's and that's yeah. and that's and that's one of the cruxes of, of comedy too is like you know unless it's a one-man show mm. it's usually a friday night and you got to make an audience of people laugh that they're there to see you yeah for one, the, the laugh so it's that constant like battle and some comics have come completely kind of disavowed it and mm. some comics are like nope this is what i'm doing and they're, they're usually the more interesting ones though too so. yeah well i mean you gotta you gotta earn the what, what i like to do like if i have a 10 minute set yeah i like to come out and kind of earn the trust for five throw a bunch of jabs okay and then the story is like the the 
the combo move. Gotcha. At the end, where like, okay, I've made you laugh a couple times. Hopefully, well, this is what I hope is happening. Hopefully, you are trusting that if we go for a minute or so without something, we are building something that will reward your patience. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned that from that awful show at at Caroline's, and then from just just bombing in comedy environments. You got to do it, man. It's just part of the it's part of the bit. It's part of the job. Yeah, and you just got to shave all the little pegs off that make you not fit in a hole for somebody, and then. Also realize, but then I also have come to realize that all of those things that were stopping me from fitting in the hole, like I used to be like, oh man, that's my artistic freedom, man. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's the thing that you're using as a crutch. Yeah. You know, your, your crutches are why you can't get through the revolving door right now. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> you know? It's very true. It's very yeah. true. I, I, I know plenty of comedians are like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they don't get it. They don't do this. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. They're right. I mean, there's that, that famous Joan Rivers, Lenny Bruce story where she, I don't know if you heard, she performed at the, I want to say Cafe Wa around the corner. Okay. Um, or, 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 yeah, or the bitter end, one mm-hmm. of the two, uh, where she was up there and she just kind of like ate shit. And then mm-hmm. Lenny Bruce was in the audience. And he wrote her a note and said like, you're right. They're wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you're Joan Rivers and Lenny Bruce, it's a great, you know, mm-hmm. great anecdote. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a regular comic trying to make an audience of people laugh on a Friday mm-hmm. night, it's a little bit difficult because, you know, there's no one that tells you when it's time to give up comedy. Mm-hmm. But in certain way, in some ways, there are. It's called an audience. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? like everyone tells you <laughs> yeah. every day, and and so yeah, like I mean, to that point, when do you listen? Like like. Uh, show business and I think art in general is full of these mixed messages yeah. all of which make for wonderful Pinterest quote boards yeah. you know b- yeah. but it's like on, on reclaimed yeah. wood yeah yeah yeah. where it's just like on the one hand like follow your dream and don't let anybody get in the way white white text over reclaimed wood usually. yeah but the other hand it's like listen when God is speaking to you and it's like well sometimes God is being me <laughs> <laughs> or God's already sent you three examples and yeah. you've pushed them away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I, I, I thought I was the burning bush, and then God pissed it out. <laughs> so, so okay. So you're in New York. So what's uh, what's go? So it's 2009. Mm-hmm. You're doing you're doing the moth slams around this time. Yeah. How uh, how old uh, of, a, of an individual are you at this time? Are you just out of college? Or are you? Oh no no. I'm I'm. F- I'll be 41 next week. Okay. So I, I'm 37. Yeah. So, so we're, yeah, we're in my thirties. So, so that, that moth scene grew and grew yeah. and, and like, and then Lena Dunham came and fucked it all up. No, I don't <laughs> well, know. kind of. They, they, I was so joking. It's not her fault, but you know, the episode was good. Okay. okay. And, and it did what, what she needed it to yeah, do for yeah, the story. Okay. But, um, but then, so at that point, all of these other shows were cropping up around New York where people were just having bar shows and, yeah. and I was just doing all of those too. Still not knowing, I mean, I, I just think about it like like the story of Jonah and the whale. Like mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like on the ship at sea, but like, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. And then eventually the whale swallowed me. But I was like doing all these shows and then I got uh, testicular cancer real hard and fast in 2009. Oh, man. And it was one of those things where I was like, I seriously, I, I used to take uh, Muay Thai classes, and okay. we were sparring, and I I caught one in the right in the cup, and it never feels like wonderful, but this was a special kind of terrible. Oh no! And when I went home, I discovered that I had a a tumor. Oh, right in the middle of the of the one of them, and uh, and within twenty four hours of my second opinion, yeah, the the doctor that knew he was my second opinion at Sloan Kettering, he was like, yeah, call your mom. You take off work for the next two weeks. This is coming out tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was just like this. I mean, I got lucky to not have chemo or radiation or deal with that hell. And I got, I guess I was fortunate in that they caught it early. It didn't spread. You know, it's just a, 
and I'm done. Oh wow! But the experience, you know, there was there was a lot of emotional and psychological whiplash. I there. can only imagine, yeah. And it, you know, everything that happens to you, I think, just makes you more yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like, I just feel like I had a, a corporate. I was an executive at Time Warner Cable. Okay. I was, a P, I was working PR for Time Warner Cable. Okay. Suit every day it's job. Now, now spectrum. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> I'm aware. And uh, and. I was just like, I just wanted to do more funny stories, more and more. And I just got more and more into it because I was just like, my life is shorter. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? When is this going to come back? My uh, now ex-wife, but my girlfriend at the time uh, was, was also a cancer survivor. And, you know, you go through that and you're just like, all right, I'm here. This is it. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen next. And it came, it came from out of the sky. So, like, I want to be... I want to be doing as much that makes me happy as I can before that comet comes back around, you know? Yeah. So I just got more and more into it and then progressed. Well, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I mean, yeah. some, some people never have that defining moment or uh-huh. that, like that, that, that thing that kind of makes them twist their life and reexamine it. Uh-huh. Um, and some people comes in the form of cancer, which yeah. would be terrifying. So, yeah. I mean, like I have friends that, uh, they've breast cancer or like a, a brain. I, my, my girlfriend's closest friend and one of my closest friends, mm-hmm. he had a tumor. She had breast cancer mm-hmm. and, and to hear like a, a, a girl in her thirties getting breast cancer, it's like, Oh man, that's like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's hard. It's tough to hear. And like, she's kind of like living every day differently than mm-hmm. she used to. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 and I don't know. You always hear these stories, uh, origin stories. If you say mm-hmm. like, uh, like uh, there's bands where it's like, oh well, this major event made me want to do this. And mm-hmm. the one that keeps popping in my head for whatever reason is Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance mm-hmm. wanted to start a band mm-hmm. after 9/11. So mm-hmm. you always hear these types of stories where it's like, why does it take such large tragedies or large like shocks to the system to mm-hmm. like make you be like, okay, I really need to do what the fuck I want to do? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if you're asking that rhetorically or not, but I have a if theory. If you have an answer. Yeah, yeah. Or theory, please, right. please. Well, on the one hand, uh, that is also a really good story in hindsight. Yeah. But he could have started a muffin shop and he would have said the same thing. This like, is true. You know, but like, he just wouldn't have answered that in like an alternative press. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, like, and and so back to the Pinterest quote board. Uh, you know, like all of these, like, and then that was when I realized that never, it never happens that way. Yeah, I didn't come out of surgery being like, and now, yeah, you know, I must avenge my dead uncle or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I just usually like, a publicist health crash the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but also, uh, uh, it's just like all of the things that anybody wants to do are terrifying. Yeah, you know, very much so. like. Oh, the hardest and easiest thing in the world to do is have a day job, where, yes. and I've done it for a long time. You know, I, I did so much digital PR and marketing and social media. I'm so sick of social media, and uh, and I did it for like a major corporation. And on the one hand, it was really hard; it was hard work. But on the other, you're kind of being paid to not do what makes you happy. Yeah, and and so. But you can also, like in a corporate environment, you can just cruise for like, like if you just keep going to meetings and saying leverage at the right time, you cannot do anything for a month and the checks keep coming. This is very true. This is very true. But buzzwords, particularly marketing mm-hmm. buzzwords, and mm-hmm. th- that's that's my background. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying anything that like uh, I don't say to my coworkers. It's like, mm-hmm. I fucking hate marketing buzzwords yeah. because they're just like, it's just this, this 
there's nothing behind them. Mm-hmm. So it's like KPIs and you know leverage and like you said and yeah. stuff like that. It's just like oh, I can't stand using them, and I try very hard to remove them from my vernacular because I do think it's just this this weird like just kind of non speak that people are doing. Yeah. So so two shows a month became four, became eight. Yeah. And then I was like, I want to do stand up where. I like believe enough in what I'm doing that I want it to work as stand up and I'm yeah. pretty sure it can despite all this evidence to the contrary. <laughs> and so I was just like I'm just going to keep doing it. And yeah. I met, you know, I met Anthony DeVito at at open mics where I was just like, "All right, if I want this to if I want this 10-minute story to work, then 2 minutes of it has to work." Yeah, yeah, of course. As a joke. So let's go work on the jokes. And he you know, it's not like um you know, it's not like he's some like priest or something, but I always liked and respected him a lot. And so when after a a mic, he came up to me for when I was working on one of the bits that's on my record. I was like, dude, that is so funny. I've never, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It was just like, you know what I mean? Like I felt like a dry sponge touching water, you know? And, and, uh, it really, I was like, okay, okay. I'm not crazy. You know, these little, little drips come along the way that make you be like, all right, it's, I I was playing doom earlier and I'm at like 1% running around and all of a sudden you get the like the you know the health extension yeah, yeah, you know yeah. keep going oh man found the shotgun great <laughs> let's keep going it's a good yeah. way it's a good yeah. way to look at, but that's also it, comedians are entrepreneurs yeah. i mean like like the like, <laughs> entrepreneurs without money well yeah. they yeah. are but they are but like that's the life of an entrepreneur mm. every day you wake up you go holy shit uh-huh. and then maybe one out of every 10 days there's like uh-huh. a awesome and it keeps you going for yeah. the next 10 days yeah, you know? yeah so yeah. i mean like that every comedian i know has a story at some point where it's like i did this and it was the greatest thing ever then he looked back on it like oh it was terrible like mm-hmm. Mike Birbiglia has that famous story where he was asked to do five minutes he only had three mm-hmm. and then he t- totally like got his dick kicked in on stage and then mm-hmm. he left and said I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life mm-hmm. everyone has that type mm-hmm. of story it's just nature of it's just how you become a comedian yeah you know and yeah so like every comedian has those moments where they're just like it's just am I good for this do can mm-hmm. I get through this yeah. can I do that and I and something keeps them moving forward. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And for me, this album project is a huge part of that because okay. like a lot of the, like a lot of the insecurities that I've had over the past year or more while I've been working on this, like they, they never go away, but I've always been able to reach to this existing as my worry beads. Sometimes just looking up the contract with comedy dynamics and be like, yep, his name's on it too. We're doing it. <laughs> you know, like and, so, sometimes it's all you need. You know? Yeah. Or when, you know, when, when I've started working with, a number of other partners i'm like oh no 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 no! they would have said no you know like okay Uh because uh i have had i i when i get in you know every comic gets insecure about their own thing and my my particular kryptonite is when i get classified as a storyteller in opposition to comedy you know what i mean and i'm just like oh it makes me so nuts because ultimately i'm just like uh, i'm trying to get away from the one-man show life you know yeah i mean there's also nothing wrong with that either yeah. i mean like storytellers like like jay okerson to me is a storyteller even though mm-hmm. there's a ton of crowd work chris yeah. gethard we just had on this podcast yeah. a couple episodes ago and like he's like he talks about how he got a he he was like this has got to hit hard like mm-hmm. my comedy this mm-hmm. has got to hit hard like this it's got to get hard like that and like judd apatow who produced it gave him the words of advice and said just let it be what it is yeah you know like i don't think being a one-man sh- 
storyteller mm-hmm. makes you any less of a comic. That's very good to hear, mm-hmm. and I will I will probably put that on the worry bead chain because uh, and I'm just quoting Judd Apatow here. Yeah, so. well, good, good. <laughs> uh, I'll take the you know I'll take the hand me down, but but and it, it, but it's it's because also you know when people are insecure about something, it's because it's been used to whip them a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. and like so when I was first starting to do get into stand-up and try to just like elbow my way into stand-up i heard a lot oh you're over here yeah you know yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. just like but what if i'm not? like every <laughs> yeah, anyway <laughs> what he, well not? what about you know and again everybody says will say like oh you know you, that's a one-man show have you seen berbiglia's show <laughs> and you're just, <laughs> but, but yeah, well yeah. yes but i also think at the same time yeah. it's listen yeah. i i use jay Oakerson as a great example yeah. that guy can crush in an alt room, yeah. like I can crush downstairs. Oh, like yeah. I can crush on on the road. He can mm. crush on TV. He mm. can crush on late night. Yeah. But it's when you're a comedian, you got to work all these different muscles that makes yeah. you a better, stronger yeah. comedian. There's going to be a time where you need to tell a story because yeah. uh, because Ari Shafir has a this is not happening storyteller oh, show. Yeah, yeah. You know, which I'm sure that you know about. But one of my can I just brag? Yeah, on yeah, one of my, my sure. one, the, A guy named Gaster El Monte. Okay took my storytelling class. Okay. The class, the story we worked on in class got onto This Is Not Happening That's last great. season. And That's he's, great. The, the, and, and, and this year too. And I'm just like, I'm just so stoked for that's that. That's great. Right? You know? I mean, yeah. that's 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 yeah. like the highest compliment you yeah. can kind of look at and you should absolutely yeah. look at it that yeah. way too. But it's, but, but as a comedian, yeah. you know, and, and you just need to have kind of all these, these tools in your toolbox. Yeah. You're building something, you need to have that tool mm-hmm. that lets you kind of kill in an alt room, that lets you kill in a whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't think you should ever look mm-hmm. down on different aspects of yeah. it. And don't, and yeah. people that cl- categorize you, they categorize you because they don't understand you. You're in the marketing and advertising world, this is what I love, by the yeah. way, because I've been I've been applying Uh-oh. for ad okay. marketing jobs. Okay. They love to be like, we're a creative agency. We think outside the box. <laughs> and then the second you send in a resume, they're like, well, are you a copywriter or a strategist? Which box do you fit in? Yeah. How, how do we well, how but, do we put a label on you? I don't understand. But that's what we as humans do. <laughs> yeah. We have since the the beginning of time. Is mm-hmm. been like, I don't, I can't comprehend this as just mm-hmm. this being. I need to comprehend it as like, oh, I've only seen them as this, that, or the other thing. And yeah. and and I love seeing comic i love seeing a stand-up comic mm-hmm. do a sitcom and murder it because yeah. it is completely two different things yeah acting and stand-up comedy are not the same thing there's an instant gratification with stand-up uh-huh. acting is completely different and depending if it's in front of a live studio audience or if it's for a movie mm-hmm. you don't even get to see the results of that mm-hmm. until well after you know you've left so i love that but i also know there's comics out there that can't fucking do it and that's why they don't have sitcoms and never have mm-hmm. like one of the biggest comedians on the planet that tours all the time that no one really thinks about is Brian Regan. Brian Regan is a murderer. Uh Like that guy annihilates. But from what I understand, that guy never really got a TV show run because the guy's not a great actor. And Mm. that's got to be okay for him because he's fucking Brian Regan. You know, like there's a point where it's like, I'm not great at everything. So I'm just going to fucking murder at what I am too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like... I don't know. I mean, I, I I think also like I talked about the insane contradictions you have to just get comfortable with of to course. do comedy. Of course. And one of them is just like, well, people are going to try and do it. You're just going to do like your thing. And yeah. That's that's fine. I really, I really, part of me is like, I like going out. Every time I go out and do comedy and meet people and hang out, I love it. But then another part of me is like, 
I just want to be like a wizard that lives on the mountainside. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like every eight months just throws a thunderbolt and then goes back up there. <laughs> I, you know what's funny is my dream is to be yeah. an old guy that sits on my, my porch, which I don't own. Yeah. I don't have. I don't uh-huh. have a porch. And just yell at kids to get the fuck off my lawn. <laughs> like that's like yeah. literally like I can't wait till I'm 65 just yelling at children. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just my dream. Like I, I have, I, I'm a simple man, Jeff, and I yeah. have simple dreams. That's it. You know what? But it, but yeah, achievable. Think of it as achievable. Oh, it's, it's so achievable. Inevitable. I could. I could yeah. It's inevitable yeah. and it's achievable. And yeah. I could. St- like, I could really start it tomorrow if I really wanted to. Yeah. Build yeah. a fu- build a fucking porch, put a rocking chair out there. And I'm good to go. Yeah, I, I'd love to be one of those old guys where they're like, yeah, we don't know what happens. The, the power goes out every six months in town, and we know it's him, but we really like him. And, and some <laughs> somehow you're sucking some something yeah. up the grid. Something yeah, they're like, like they're like they're like somebody comes back from my yard and they're like, I, I can't even describe it. My phone didn't work. I couldn't take a picture. Just let me have it. He was trying know? to summon the space station. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So now, so you teach storytelling. Where yeah. Do you, where do you teach? My apartment. Oh, it's not like a class at UCB or something like that. Or? No, I taught at QED for a while okay. and then got into doing it at home. Cambry Cruz owns yep. QED, right? Yep. Yeah, she's uh, she's great. Yep. <laughs> I, no, I have nothing to add to that. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to seem like I was talking smack. No, Camry's yeah. great, and yeah. she's great, and her and she's always been wonderful to me. And, and her husband Christian. Yeah, yeah, they're really, really good people, and they're really creating. I think they've created. I think a lot of people start out to create a, a friendly environment for comedy, yeah. and then reality gets in the way, and then. But she has maintained and nurtured a friendly space for comedy. Where you know, you, yeah, you know, where you, I just don't feel like I'm going to get knifed apart the same way whenever I'm performing there. Yeah, or the audience is there to see something new. It's they're all from the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, they're just like, all right, I got seven bucks. I don't want to watch TV. <laughs> And I, I love it. Yeah. I, I what I, I love that about New York too is mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a big city, but the comedy community, like everyone knows each other in certain mm-hmm. ways. And like you look at like what Cambry's doing over the QED, you mm-hmm. look at like U C B you know, they're not they're not they you know, when when they started they weren't that powerhouse they are now, but then mm-hmm. you also have like they're creek in a cave and mm-hmm. like whatever's going on over there is just like, you know, it's it's lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And can it last forever? I don't know if it can, but like you're also looking at like, well, enjoy it while it fucking lasts because mm-hmm. there's some great things coming out. That yeah. too. So, and also, people don't know it when it's happening. That's true too. Yeah, like I was thinking about this on the way over here, that because like when we when you said oh the moth was great, and then Lena came mm-hmm. along or like whatever. Well, like yeah, okay, I could sit there and say that, but at this by the same token, the people that saw the Lena Dunham moth episode and started going and are now having a blast That's are true. ten years from now going to be like oh I used to be so everything I've ever gotten yeah. into, whether it yeah. was you know punk rock or going to South by Southwest or comedy or anything, there was always somebody there to say ah oh, this was so great till you came along nailed it you know yeah, <laughs> so it's just it. like oh maybe yeah. life is an endless river and it's constantly changing it's, you know? it's, it's true I mean like yeah. I've been going to South by Southwest for like 15 years mm-hmm. or so and it's 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 unbelievable how much it's changed first oh, yeah. of all I've gone before they started having comedy uh-huh. um, and now I go almost exclusively for the comedy part of it and every year you go you're like I don't know if this has the ability to get much bigger push out going to different mm-hmm. places and every fucking year like you come back and you're like oh they did it again you know and, yeah. then, and then people have those conversations of like oh it was so much cooler way back when when they didn't do whatever but uh-huh. at the same time it's like 
but the, it's evolving. It's growth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. I mean, growth isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially if it's like something that people enjoy. Like, I was going to South by Southwest, and this is like one of those one of those conversations where it's like, I was going there, and then like my mom who would would ask me about, hey, what are you doing with life and, and mm-hmm. whatnot? They didn't know what South by Southwest was, mm-hmm. but now they know because mm-hmm. they've read about it in Entertainment Weekly or whatever, whatever news entity that's broad enough that reports about it. Mm-hmm. They know now. Like my uncle, every time I see him, he's like, oh, how was Austin? Because it's my most recent trip because yeah. his company, uh, someone mentioned that South by Southwest might be a good a good, a good thing to go to. Mm-hmm. Now, do they have anything to do with music? Do they have anything to do with this, that, or the other thing? No, but at the same time, people study it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You and I probably probably study it for oh I want the coolest bands doing the coolest things mm-hmm. other people study it for just like how a festival operates yeah. too so it's one of those things where it's like is it shitty because it got big well it's shitty to you and I because yeah. it got bigger uh-huh. but is it shitty to these people over here yeah. it was a new experience you're absolutely right with that so right. good point yeah thanks <laughs> that, yeah. I took Three and a half minutes to get around to saying good point on that. Thanks. So, that's yeah. all right. You're, you're a podcaster and you're allowed to do that. I know. That's what I love about podcasting, too. I mean, like, we've been talking like just about pretty much anything we want for like the last like uh, fifty minutes or so, and uh-huh. it's just been like, yeah, this is cool. Like, this is what I actually. This is, what, this is why I also think comedians are drawn to this format, mm-hmm. is because it's the most natural thing on the planet for a comedian to sit down and talk to someone else, mm-hmm. a, another comic, another whatever. And it's what's not natural is breaking the conversation to do a station ID yeah. or breaking for a commercial or breaking for whatever it is but like there's ebbs and flows of the conversations you know uh-huh. you, you're talking about this then you go into that there's a part where everyone just kind of sighs and there's a lull and and then you kind of go on to the next topic or whatever and i think podcasting there are plenty of people that love that yeah yeah it's unbelievable like i mean i don't know if you have aspirations to start a podcast but i would imagine that like what you do would lend itself very well to people have been telling me that for a very long time yeah and i think I probably will end up doing it. There's a, another part of me. Maybe it's just because I got such deep, like soul level social media burnout. Okay, from, but I'm just like clawing for audience. Like I get, I get really hung up on the numbers to stuff. Okay, you know, like I'll be looking at the the retweets, the likes, the when I had a blog, I was looking at traffic. Yeah, and I it got, and I'm not saying this is healthy. It's just a thing that I do. Dude, I run a comedy yeah. website. Yeah. I, I deal with this shit all day long. So yeah, yeah, so so I'd be like, why is my most popular stuff not the stuff that's the best? Why is it the one picture of some guy's dumb shirt? Yeah, or the more clickbaity type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I just like, I. And also in a in a podcast saturated environment, I'm just like, well, what do I have to say? Like now, comic talks to comics. No, yeah, you know, like what yeah, am I? I, I mean, I mean, no, no, no. Obviously, no. Disrespect. Well, I'm not a comic. Yeah, but but <laughs> but you see what I mean? Clutch in a technicality. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I'm like, what do I? What do I have? And I'm sure, like, I'm sure that I could come up with something, but. A part of me is just like, well, why don't I just work on my act for now? Yeah. You know, when I get it, well, yeah. you know, I'll get there. But I'm also just, I want to find that I haven't found anything where I'm just like, I want to talk about this every week. Yeah, I get yeah. that too. But yeah. what, what I love about it is, is, is a podcast to be whatever the fuck I want. It mm. could be, it could be a forced narrative, a mm. la serial or S Town or one of mm. those or a narrative podcast. It could be this. Yeah. It could be a, a straight up talking back and forth. It can be a series. It uh-huh. can be, oh, we're going to do one season, then take a break and do another mm. season and whatever. Which is what a lot of like what Gimlet media does yeah. which i actually like really like their styles mm-hmm. um but it can be anything is what yeah. i think is what's great about it like if you were like hey here's a new story i'm working on oh yeah you know and it, and it directly relates to what you do mm-hmm. and you put it out there maybe you maybe you used to write the whole thing out and put it on a blog yeah Th- it, on a podcast now you're reading it to a microphone and yeah you're putting it out there and it could be 10 minutes uh-huh. one week it could be f- 45 the next but it helps you start 
it's it 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 finds its audience. It really yeah. does, and it takes a long time. But like, I I really do feel like it's kind of the natural progression of how comedy albums are, and it's a natural progression of how comedians work with it mm-hmm. because no one can take it away from you. Yeah. You can stop it and start it whenever you want. Uh-huh. But there's no one. There's no gatekeeper of Hollywood saying like, oh, you're done. You're out of here. Yeah. Yeah, but like I, I, I don't know. I would imagine the the very like punk bootstrapping, you know, kind of mentality that you have. Like, yeah, it would be a very appealing thing to you. It it, it is. You know, some, I think it it could also be my perfectionism getting in the okay. way. You know, because I'll be like. I will, I'll be like... So I definitely need to make those edits from previously then because you'll you, listen to them and you're like, oh, the fuck this guy. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just because I said names. Yeah, but, That's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, but it, it's more like... I just... Uh, like when I listen back to re- versions of... When I see like videos of stories that I have on YouTube from 2009, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh. You know, yeah, every... every, every comic but every comic it. cringes yeah. at their previous album. You yeah. Know? Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. I just, um, I really like taking, a, maybe I'm not the quickest worker in the world, but I like taking time to like really, yeah, really sand something. I do a lot of woodworking with my dad, and he's like, okay. you don't need to use the 350 grit paper. And I'm like, yeah, but I know it exists, <laughs> and I want this thing to be smooth, so yeah, and, I, I want to be the person. And you're one of those guys yeah, yeah. who starts at 60, goes to 150, to then 220, and yeah. you, work, you work your way down. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I get that, and perfectionism's mm-hmm. great, and it's definitely something to strive for, but I also think there's something to be said about... Just doing it. Well, yeah. you work in art. Yeah. Whatever you do, your perception of it is uh-huh. going to be different than the person that receives it. Yeah. Sorry, that's just the way art yeah. works. You know what I mean. So, uh, why not just kind of enjoy creating art and putting it out there? And, and who gives a shit about what the world? Oh yeah, no, I'm going to go talk to my therapist about that right <laughs> after this. Like seriously, I, yeah. I was on this podcast. Yeah. This yeah. guy said create yeah. art. No, no, no. But a lot of our discussions are around like, why don't you just enjoy being an artist for yeah. right now? And I'm like, well, but. And I think everybody, and I, I inherited this or have some of it innately, is like, I think people try to pre-worry about something. Yeah. They're like, if I'm just too happy, that's when the hammer drops. So let me just like pre-worry so I'm somehow braced for it or maybe yeah, it won't hit as yeah, hard. Yeah, I get you know? that. I'm, I mean, I'm amazing I, at that. The, the comedians that I feel like are the most, well, not even the most successful uh-huh. or the most happy in what they do uh-huh. is they're just fucking just, I, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Like, my favorite comedians on the planet are your Bill Burrs and uh-huh. your Doug Stanhopes of the world. Yeah. And those guys don't give a shit about what the competition's doing. They're yeah. like, what am I doing? This is what I'm doing. This yeah. is my take on the world. And I have enough confidence in my voice to be able to do that stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that's definitely that's definitely a quality of like someone starting out, someone open micer, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find a voice mm-hmm. versus someone who's actually fully discovered it. Mm-hmm. You've you've been around the open mic scene. Yeah. There's yeah. sometimes assholes to each. Not sometimes. Yeah. There are assholes to each other. It's yeah. It's more um, just like how can you keep your head above this river? Because so they, yeah. but, but they also have like an inkling of more power than someone else mm. too. And and you have your Doug Stanhopes of the world who are just like I don't give a shit. So I always use those guys as an example. I've probably mentioned them more on this podcast yeah. than any other person because I love comics that just are, are just like this is what I want to do. Like mm. what Chris Gathered on this call was well, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago was very inspiring because of like, he just like what. Mm. It is what it is. Goldman's the same way. Yep. Like it just is what it is. Like those are my like my heroes. The guys I love mm. are are those types of guys. Mm. Uh, I don't think George Carlin ever sat down and asked someone else if he found, if hey do you find mm. this funny? Like, yeah, he, he knew it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'd like to turn this around from. I, we I feel like we've yeah, gone down yeah, an insecurity yeah, rabbit yeah, yeah, hole yeah, here, I'm and sorry. I'd like to remove <laughs> at least that. half of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, so, I, I mentioned this earlier today. Yeah. Like comedy is. 
extreme yeah. narcissism and blinding insecurity. Yeah. And the comedian kind of runs somewhere in the middle of yeah. those two. And so and <laughs> and it's not like I mean it's in the same way that like a, like a seventeen year old is not just seventeen. They're kind of like thirty and four. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. a great way to put it. It's yeah. like yeah. It's like I I have nieces that like they want to be adults, but they still haven't figured out how yeah. to like properly dress or properly do whatever it is. So. Right. Right. But but and and I mean look. What nothing thrills me more than getting up on stage and being like, you know what? I love to come to the stage with just like the idea of like, oh my god, you guys! Like, I like to pretend that even though I've been working on this thing for a long time, like this just happened. I cannot wait to tell you guys about it. Like, like I just, I'm not even. I just thought of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not even a comedian. I just, I was just on a bus and I, and I had this idea and I have to tell you about it. Well, that comes from that comes yeah. from doing comedy all these years. I mean, like you know, the the ten thousand hours yeah. everyone talks about. You know, Gladwell's ten thousand hours is like. You, the first time I saw a comedian, I was like, this is kind of just telling the stories you rehearse this. Uh-huh. And then you realize, like, oh, no, they rehearsed the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. But that's also what makes you a great comic is yeah. that you're able to be effortless almost with your delivery. Yeah, I got I got a lot out of um, Muay Thai and BJJ uh, when I was taking that. when okay. I, And that's when I was starting to really start focusing on comedy as comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and step away from like the NPR storytelling scene. Yeah. Because, you know, my, my coach would just be like, all right, today you're going to throw 500 right kicks. And I was <laughs> like, well, what about what else? He, well, then you're going to throw 500 left kicks. <laughs> and then you're going to take a shower and go home. And I was like, but, and he was like, no, the secret is that the 400th right kick has to be as good as the fifth one. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and I was just like, and then you, you start yeah. doing that, you know, and then yeah, when we yeah. learn combo moves, it's, you know, jab, cross, hook, uppercut, you Straight know, up Mr. Miyagi shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I really, really got into that. And now when I, um, and one of the things I admire about Goldman the most is like what an endless rewriter he is. Yeah. It's like, if you don't know what you're going to do tonight, do something you already did. Cause you probably need to work on it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then that way you get those combos down. You know, my, my coaches were just like, you know, they, they were guys who aged out of cage fighting in Thailand. Yeah. You know, and, and they were like, they were, and they were just like. Still, still badass motherfuckers. But. Badass, but responsible parents now. Yeah. You know, exactly, and exactly. so, and so they were like, they were like, yeah, the thing about a combo move is you think about it, you're coming to it as video games where you land yeah. all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't, you actually just keep throwing the combo and maybe you throw only the hook. But then you get to where you, you land the hook, and or maybe you land only the hook, but then you yeah. get to where you land the hook and the kick, yeah. and then one day you get it all. You never usually get it all, but you're ready to deploy it all, and I was just like, oh man, there's this metaphor here. And then I just got a hernia, and I was like, I don't want to get this kicked a metaphor, in a hernia anymore. And then I got, yeah, then <laughs> I got to lose, I got to lose a testicle and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. So uh, let's 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 end it with talking about the the album. So yeah, Comedy Dynamics is putting it out. Yep. It's called, and I'm not, and I'm not lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get hooked up with Comedy Dynamics? Uh, a couple friends of mine had had albums on Comedy Dynamics. Okay. A guy named Doogie Horner. Okay. Uh, John Ozelay. Okay. And I think Joe Zimmerman. Okay. And I think you know one or two of those guys gave <laughs> Not me. Not to be confused with Jeff Zimmerman. That actually that has happened, and Joe's a friend of mine. But he, uh, you know, he was auditioning for something at UCB. <laughs> Formerly one of the beards of comedy. Yeah. 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 And I. I I have a monthly show at UCB and he was doing an audition for Comedy Central at UCB and the mm-hmm. tech guy said, now coming to the stage, Jeff Zimmerman. And Joe had to start his audition with like, ah, no, that's the other guy. We're cool, but uh, it's with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy. So, so yeah. Okay. But, so they, you know, one of them gave me an email that, 
address and I sent my my stuff in and I was amazed like they it took a couple months because it takes yeah. a long time but the guy got back to me he's like yeah this is great let's do it yeah and I was like that's it yeah I was like why is this not hard <laughs> everything else has been so hard why is this part not hard <laughs> And he was like, we like your stuff. Yeah. We like, just take it. We just like it. Yeah. And and he said, you know, I mean, like realistically speaking, it's never been easier to put out a comedy record. Mm-hmm. So we're just throwing a lot of stuff out there. He's like, we, we all have to like it. We all liked it. And we're going to throw it out there and whatever happens, man. That's yeah. great. I yeah. mean, comedy dynamics is, I, uh, for the layman or the the non, you know, mm-hmm. comedy industry people, they're, they're, they're a production house. They're a label. Uh-huh. They produce specials. They record a lot of specials for like your Netflix and your CISOs of the world, oh, yeah. they also release albums. Um, like they're kind of slowly, if not already have, taken over the comedy business uh-huh. with like just the sheer amount of people they work with that are good, legit comedians and in different ways. They're mm. they're going to record a special for you, they're going to put out your album, or they're going to help you get this something on Netflix. And it's it's unbelievable the work they've done over there in a very quick period of time. Yeah, yeah, and they they have. I don't know. I mean, it, it, for me, like it just is such a kick to be like. Wow, I'm actually on the same label as Bill Burr. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like saying one of their albums. Really, they, they put out Louis C.K. Live in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, got nominated for a Grammy last week. Or yeah, last year, and so. that's that's a, such an awesome feeling. I mean, it's also like whatever. I also took a leak at Madison Square Gardens, and so did they. But <laughs> but it's just a nice. It's just nice, and yeah. like, and I'm kind of dreading the achievement hangover after it comes out. Yeah, you, I call it the achievement hangover. Okay. It's like, all right, I've been leaning on this thing. I've been working on it. It's yeah. great. Now what? Yeah. But it's it's really it's hugely exciting. Well, the good yeah. news about be, the good yeah. news about being involved yeah. with a company like that though mm-hmm. too is they have a great presence on like a Hulu. Yeah, where you can like all of a sudden it's like oh well maybe we'll shoot some video with these guys and uh-huh. put that on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have plenty of shows. They have plenty of connections. So like if it works well and everyone's and if the relationship continues to develop, yeah, you could do some really great things with those guys too. So. Yeah, and they they've been really just just really cool. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any idea I've had, they've like they've said yes to eighty five percent of them, and can't ask for any yeah, better than that. And the reasons they said no to stuff were great reasons, yeah. you know. And and uh, I might I I want to after the thing comes out, I want to pull together an Indiegogo to press uh, vinyl. Yeah, yeah. And um, they were just like, "Yep, yeah, go for it." And I was like, oh, "Well, how, how about how about what do we how do we?" And they're like, "Eh, don't worry about it. We got it." Just go do it. That's great. I yeah. mean, their answer has been just go do it. That sounds awesome there, every there, time. There's yeah. a great vinyl resurgence happening in the mm-hmm. world, but I think vinyl on comedy albums, there's just something a little more special about it. I think it's because of the tone of the voice and the tone of what an album is. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that uh, it lends itself very well. Like we ran a we ran a feature on the laughbutton.com once where it's about just albums that need to be listened to on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And we ran through the list and I, the, they're not all coming to me at, at this point in time, but it's just like, yeah, there's, there's definitely something about the intimacy of the spoken word being played on on off of piece of vinyl that's unlike anything else yeah well it makes you it also makes you sit down and listen like if yeah. you're listening to something on your phone yeah and then you get retweeted you're going to hear the and like yeah. look at it yeah, yeah but if you leave your phone in the other room you sit down you just have the art in your hand and you yeah. just flip it over yeah and your mind is of course looking for stimulus so it's going to suck more out of the i mean I, when i was a kid i used to imagine being in the audience for steve martin's shows and just like wow what what's on his face right now yeah, you know because yeah. you couldn't look any of that stuff up no on no no you just saw the the ghosted image of him with the with the the uh with the 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 arrow through his head yeah or like on the richard Pryor records where 
the crowd doesn't give a shit that he's doing an album. They're just yelling, and he's not discouraging them. <laughs> They're just or like, I'm just like, man, it must have been so cool to be like. I would, yeah. I remember imagining the outfits people were wearing at the show where they recorded the Richard Pryor records. I think that's and, important. Yeah. I think yeah. that's very important that like the the album art workers like there's some awesome fucking album art out uh. there, and it's important to kind of like sit down there because like I I grew up in the era of CDs, uh. but like at the same time I fucking loved it when I. Got a CD where you could open it and like there was liner notes mm-hmm. and you could read through this and you could flip through stuff mm-hmm. and it wasn't just like credits. Yeah. Um. And and I read those credits because like I was like oh so and so produced this net because that's mm-hmm. just the nature of what I was but like album like liner notes was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember like Tools records like yeah. Undertow. I remember discovering underneath the tray there was like that whole secondary image of mm-hmm. like the large woman laying mm-hmm. in like velvet uh, sheets mm-hmm. and I was like this is fucking incredible like just things like that where it's like i don't know if that effort is put in what well, i know it's not put into records and to music these days yeah well you kind of you kind of can't yeah because and in other ways yeah. you kind of have to like I, I i made the album art myself okay and i've been i really really into making posters and album i majored in painting and okay when i was a kid you know my uncle got me into all the best classic rock at the right time and then i used to make po- he has a non-profit music organization i started making posters and now i make okay. all my posters for my ucb show that's great and i so i'm going to put out another record just so i can make another album cover <laughs> but when you're designing for an icon that's going to be on itunes yeah it's more like making a flag where it's like you gotta you yeah, gotta just, you when you're designing a flag you gotta see room, it you yeah. gotta see it from the top of the un building and know that that's you know the netherlands or whatever so is that why in giant you know, pink font. I and I am not lying is as big as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. I took it off. The, I actually have it on the back of my vest. Oh, look at that! Oh, yeah. that's awesome. So I this I took a photo of the back of my vest. Okay. And then adjusted it. But yeah, I wanted to make it as huge as possible so that. So vest first became before the artwork. Yeah, I mean, I had a blog called "And I Am Not Lying" okay. in like two thousand four. Right after I got back from Australia, when I started the blog. Yeah, and. Um, I had all these just stories about living in Australia that I would just write down. So how long did you live in Australia for? Nine months. Okay. I lived there nine months, and then my girlfriend from Australia came and lived with me for a year. Where is this in your timeline? Between D.C., college, high school? Prior to to D.C. Okay. I lived in Richmond for right after college for about five years, which is about three years too long. Yeah. And and the thing about Richmond, Virginia then is that my rent was $175 a month. That's And I could learn to play the drums in my in my house because we had a and we had a music room it was a shitty house but i struggled to make 175 dollars a month also but we did it and then i just like my band fell apart and i was like i i met this woman online uh in 2003 before we knew you probably shouldn't do that yeah and 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 then ended up selling all my stuff to fly to australia to meet her so you went to australia for for love yes okay i sold my drums and my vans okay and my van and uh (laughs) i thought you meant your sneakers for a second (laughs) no the, the van that i carried my drums in most of my records and met up with her in the sydney airport and it worked out to where i lived with her in perth for about nine months that's great yeah, and uh, and then I had you know I had all these stories, and there was like I wrote for Vice magazine at that time, and 
but I had all this stuff I wanted to write, and so I started that a blog. That was before Vice was Vice, too. Yeah, well, mean. the Melbourne office of Vice was, I think, somebody's apartment. Yeah. And they were real dodgy. They were, like, super tiny in Australia, and it was still a free magazine. Yep. And was they, Gavin McGinnis still involved with the with the magazine at the time? He was. Okay. Um, uh they would pay my girlfriend. They would do direct deposit into her bank account okay. for my stories because I couldn't work legally in Australia. Okay, and so I would, you know, write stories for them. And I ended up one of the stories on my album is I worked uh, slaughtering kangaroos mm-hmm. in the outback, and yeah. uh, that was it started as a story I wrote for Vice, and then that's like a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, the craziest. I mean, story. the only share of the story is like kangaroos are kind of like vermin over in Australia. Yeah, like like they're the, the equivalent of like rats. Uh, I guess kind of like, like rats crossed with deer. Okay, 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 and, and you slaughtered them because well, people eat them. Really? And oh, oh okay. yeah, oh, well, okay. kangaroo and kangaroo meat tastes a lot like venison. Okay, and but it's it's really 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 low fat, so okay. you either want to sear it and eat it like blood raw. Okay, or cook it all day in a curry. Okay, but um, because they're all just legs and ass, and they just jump around the desert all day. There's no yeah. fat on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they travel in packs of like 500. Yeah, they can be six foot two weigh 300 pounds yeah yeah so 500 of those dudes crossing your family's wheat field knocks out millions of dollars worth of crops gotcha and what happened is because they pushed the dingoes back okay they lost their natural predators gotcha and so we were hunting them for dog food Wow! When you go when you go into a grocery store in Australia and you're in the freezer section, there's your popsicles and your frozen burgers or whatever, and then there's a section of like fresh kangaroo meat, Mm. and so the the dog food human grade is just like you know slightly different standards or whatever. But yeah, we had to get a couple tons of kangaroo meat and sold them to a dog food processor. Wow! So the process of slaughtering a kangaroo, yeah. First of all, it's got to kind of fuck with your head a little bit. A lot, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Kind of wrap. I mean, I I imagine anyone that works at any slaughterhouse. Like mm. well, no matter what your opinions are mm. on uh, on eating meat, veg- uh. vegetarian, ve- uh, vegan, or whatever, like that's gonna fuck with you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, but you said you said slaughterhouse though, and yeah. this is like you had to go hunt them. Like they're not in a slaughterhouse no, situation. Oh, no, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So you said slaughter. You said killing, uh, hunting. Okay, so you hunt kangaroos, uh-huh. and then you brought them to the slaughterhouse, or did you kill them right there and there on the? Oh no! Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta kill them right there. Like we had a, we were on a one million acre ranch. Okay. With like a diesel powered meat locker. Okay. And so we this was like a really chill episode of Mad Max. Yeah. We would go out Sounds and like it. and um, you got to shoot them in the head. Okay. And then you feel like you cut the head off like right there, gut them. Okay. And you kind of put them on these meat hooks that hang around the back of a truck. Okay. And once the once you've got you know a lot of animals there and then it's time to go home it's almost dawn yeah you put them in the freezer and we just did that for eight nights and you hunt that night yeah because okay. they're nocturnal okay and then we had to load the truck up with like two and a half tons of kangaroo meat and then as soon as the sun went down load up the truck and drive the nine hours back to the city overnight so the sun didn't start rotting the meat oh wow and um yeah, that's, so that's that's what we did. You had, so I stood on the back of the truck with a spotlight. Okay. And and uh, you know it's like Jack and Deer. You know. It's, yeah. It's, it, so you, I'd freeze them. The guy that drove would shoot them, and then I had to drag them up to the truck. Okay. Kind of like a golden retriever with thumbs, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and it was just it was a, a lot of lot of blood. Yeah. But I bet you know I eat meat, and I was like. 
well, this is awful, but this is also as free range and organic as it gets. I, yeah, I mean, you should get a taste of the cycle. Yeah, know? I mean, like, I I hear this and it's just like, oh gosh, but at the same time, it's like I cook burgers. Mm-hmm. I there there this happens at some point in the process. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, who might I don't want to be a hypocrite, yeah. you know, about that type of stuff. So I totally get that, but uh, it's still, you know, I would imagine the average person would probably like not necessarily be able to handle a job like that. Yeah, well, no, no, you you can't, <laughs> and 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 I'm not saying that because like to make myself like some kind of tough guy here i just was in a circumstance where i couldn't leave oh okay (laughs) like like it was a we drove for nine hours and we left cell phone coverage after like four or five of those hours and it was just red dirt roads with no signs on them yeah and just we had a barrel of diesel, a barrel of regular water, drinking water and food for eight days. Yeah. And then this complete, this guy, I mean, he's a really good guy, but he's also totally nuts. Uh, I was just re- totally relying on him for food and water. Yeah. And even if I'd wanted to leave, I wouldn't have known how to get home. So yeah. you just like, you just get to a point where you're like, I mean, there's probably a life metaphor in here somewhere where you're like, <laughs> all right, I'm, you know, I'm just going to, the faster I kill these things, the quicker I get home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just you. I just can't leave. Did you only do it that one time, or yeah. did you? Uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that was eight enough. day run enough. I'm done with this. Yeah, I mean, I really, if it was up to me, I probably would have stopped about an hour into it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah. that's a that's an insane story. Yeah, and stories like that and more. No, <laughs> sorry. sorry, I do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to go with that, too. So, yeah, yeah I mean, like, Jeff, it's been, like, super fascinating having you on uh, the podcast. Thanks, so man. I'd like, I'd like to thank you for for being on here. I want to wish you best of luck for the June 9th release uh-huh. of your comedy album, And I Am Not Lying, Jeff Zimmerman. Thanks, man. Thank you Appreciate for being on the it. podcast. Uh, where can people find out about you? Uh, if you go to jeffzimmerman.com, it's my website. Okay. I've got a tab for upcoming shows. Twitter is all at Jeff Zimmerman. Instagram is at jeff.zimmerman. Okay. Uh, Facebook, I'm the only Jeff Zimmerman on there, so... That's surprising. Yeah, and there's not a lot of people with that same first and last name. I got, a, like, a fan page that I'm a real horror about taking friend requests, though, so... <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, we'll catch you later. All right, thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Bye. And that was Jeff Zimmerman here on the Laugh Button Podcast. I want to listen to Clutch now. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should. So I want to thank Jeff for being on the podcast. I also want to thank you, Bram, for uh, kind of helping me uh, shoulder the, the load that we got going on here in California. We, uh, we're having some good times. Looking forward to everything going on, i.e. Clusterfest, i.e. Showtimes. I'm dying up here. We got a couple of meetings. Going to have some hangs with I'm some of I'm looking forward to hanging out in traffic, turning on K-Rock, and hearing the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Dude, I will say this, man. K-Rock in L.A. plays a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. A lot. Like... Three times an hour, would you say? And then the No Doubt song, the more they chili peppers. They should change your call letters to KRHCP. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers being played. So if you are a fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers, you need to turn on K-Rock in LA and you will hear Red Hot Chili Peppers. Just wait like 30 seconds. You will hear a Chili Pepper song. It's very true. So uh, until next time, I'm Matt Kleinschmidt. He is Bram Titleman. Follow us at the Laugh Button on the socials. Follow me at I am Kleinschmidt on the socials. Follow him at Bram Fetamine on the socials and at or Bram, Bram Filter, Filter on Twitter on, on those too. So got a couple of those great Donald Trump <laughs> co-fat or whatever. He, yeah, we didn't even get started on those. And also check out Bram's work on MetalInsider.net. Yes. Uh, so until next time, I'm Matt Kleinschmidt, and uh, this has been the Laugh Button Podcast. Talk to you.